0: thank the Lord for that. Right now, let's go to 1 Chronicles. <clears throat> I don't know, if my voice is going tonight or what. But uh got a frog in my throat or something. 1 Chronicles chapter 13. This morning or this evening, I want to kind of uh, I'm going to preach along the same lines I did this morning. This morning I talked a lot about in the marriage relationship how important it is that you know you act as a unit, you know. As a a husband and wife, you are no longer twain, but you are one flesh. And tonight, I kind of want to take that same idea with the whole family, okay? Now, obviously, it's different with the kids. Your kids are going to grow up, and they are going to eventually move on. You know, they're going to, you know, your boys are going to leave their father and mother and cleave to their wife. You know, dads, eventually, you're going to have to probably walk your daughter down the aisle and give her away, and... That stinks, you know. Uh, give, giving them away, your daughter. I mean, that's one of the best things you can have, and you give them away. You ought to get money for them. Maybe that's what I'll do, but no, uh, probably wouldn't get away with that. And then, how do you put a price tag on? You know what I'm saying? And so, but uh, it's tough. But as a family, I think it's very important that families, you know, act as a unit. Families share common goals, work towards. Common things. Too many families. It's the same thing, just like a husband and a wife. How you got the husband doing his thing, the wife doing her thing. You have the kids that are doing their very own thing. I mean, we've got you got families today where at supper everybody's in a different room. Everybody's doing their own thing. Most of the communication that goes on in the family, even within the house, goes on via texting and Facebook and things like that. And it's like, uh, you know, that's too bad. Okay, now I'm not going to tell you I've never texted my wife before while I've been in the house. There's been times I've been in the other room and I was too lazy to get up and I just texted her, but I was even, I was so lazy I just didn't even want to yell. But at the same time, you know, you know what I'm talking about? We can be living in the same house, but not, not living together. Not doing anything together. And I want to show you something in the Bible. This is something, a while back I kind of, I showed some of these things a long time ago, but I want to, Covered. Again, I actually learned a few new facts about this individual that I didn't know before. And I think this is a great, there's a great lesson that we can learn here from this man. Is, this man's name is Obed-Edom. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, if you want to turn there, this is where we are introduced to this character. And you may remember the story of Israel after they got the Ark of the Covenant back. They were taking it along the way and they are, it's on a cart that's being driven by oxen, which was not how the Ark of the Covenant was to be transported. It was always to be carried by the, uh, with staves by the priest. That was how it was supposed to be transported. And they weren't doing it that way for whatever reason. And if you remember the story, the ox stumbled and the Ark of the Covenant shook and Uzzah reached out his hand probably instinctively and he touched the Ark of the Covenant and as a result of that, he died. The Lord It made the Lord angry. He was displeased. And so, David, he was afraid, didn't know what he should do. And so in verse 13, it says, So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Okay, So, Obed-Edom the Gittite. And if you look up a Gittite, what it is, a Gittite was a Philistine. A Philistine from Gath. Does anybody remember a Philistine from Gath? Goliath. Goliath of Gath. Goliath the Philistine. The Philistines. They were a very wicked people. Second Samuel twenty one nineteen it says, and there was again in battle uh, a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of Jeorgim a Bethlehemite slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite. The staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. A Gittite was an inhabitant of Gath. So think about this. The Ark of the Covenant is with a Philistine. David is so scared, he leaves the Ark of the Covenant with a Philistine. A Philistine from Gath. I mean, this guy could have been related to Goliath for all we know. Uh, And so, this is very important when we take a look at Obed-Edom later in his life to remember that he was a Philistine. He was a Gittite. He was of Gath. It's very important to remember. But the Ark was brought into his house. And the Ark of the Covenant, I believe, is a picture and it symbolizes the presence of God. And notice that when the Ark of the Covenant was in his house, man, he was blessed, even though he was a Philistine. Even though he was a Gittite, Man, God blessed his house. Everything he had was blessed. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was in there. And you know what? There's always blessings in the presence of the Lord. And thank God if you're saved today, you've got the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you have a close relationship with God, and you can have a close relationship with God, you can be blessed. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your family name. Uh, It doesn't matter your race or anything. If you are saved... You can have the presence of God in your life. You can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You can experience the blessings of God. And so imagine, you know, Obed Edom. I remember as a young child learning about this story. Always was fascinated with the Ark of the Covenant, even as a little kid. And I remember thinking about after they went and took that ark from Obed Edom's house. And thinking, man, poor Obed Edom. Here he was getting all these blessings because the Ark of the Covenant was in his house and then eventually they came along and they take the Ark of the Covenant from his house. You know Whatever happened? And the truth is, if you go and you continue reading through the Bible, you will see Obed-Edom mentioned several times. And it's interesting, every time you see him mentioned where you see him, you always see him in very close proximity of the Ark of the Covenant. We see that even though the Ark of the Covenant was taken from his house, he didn't just throw his hands up and say, well, there go my blessings. There goes my you know, you know, success and everything God has given me. No, he followed it. He went after the presence of God. We see Him around it all the time. And the places where we see Obed-Edom are places where we shouldn't see Him. Because the Ark of the Covenant, well, it was always there in the tabernacle. Only the Levites were able to be in certain places and around the tabernacle. But Obed-Edom, and the Bible does not explain you know, why he was allowed this place, how it all came about. But Obed-Edom, he was a Gittite. What was he doing working around the tabernacle? But we're going to see him there all the time. And so notice that after the ark is taken from his house, he stayed with the ark. Look at chapter 15 of First Chronicles. Verse 18, and it says, "...and with them their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, Jeziel, Shmerimoth, Jehiel, and Unai, Eliah, Benaiah, Messiah, Matathiah, Eliphalah, Megniah, and Obed-Edom, and Jehiel the porters." Okay, He's mentioned in there, they're talking about Levites, but Obed-Edom is thrown in with them. And listen, this is not the, this, I don't believe this is another Obed-Edom. That's not a common name, Obed-Edom. The name Obed-Edom means servant of Edom. Okay? And that is not something that a Jew or a Levite especially would name one of their children. They were not servants of Edom. But yet, so Obed-Edom is one of the porters. And a porter, they're basically like a doorkeeper. You know, he, did, he's, he just wanted to be close to to the tabernacle, he wanted to be close to the presence of God, and so it's like he, I, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can just picture this. After they came and took it, he obviously knew he had no claim on the Ark of the Covenant; that it didn't belong to him. It belonged to Israel. But I believe that he asked, "Hey, what can I do? I want to go with it. Can I go with it? Can I? Can you know? I want to serve." This Lord that you serve, and so Obed-Edom. Do we see him as a porter? He's like a doorkeeper for the tabernacle. He wants to get as close to it as he possibly can. He wanted to do whatever he could do. He had gotten a taste of what it was like having the presence of God in his life, and he didn't want to get rid of it. He didn't want it. He didn't want it going away from him. So he did whatever he could. You know, a porter too. They could be like it could be like a janitor. He just wanted to do whatever he could do. Uh, we see that he also, in verse 21, he was one of the musicians that they had. It says in Mattathiah, Elephala, Mechmeiah, I'm probably saying all these names wrong, and Obed-Edom, and Jael, and Aziziah, with harps on the Shemineth to excel. Shemineth, it was, uh, according to commentaries, it was an eight-stringed lyre. He was a musician. He excelled at that instrument. He just wanted to do whatever he could. You know, we need people with that same kind of attitude when it comes to church. I believe, I mean, I think serving the Lord, serving God in the church. Okay, we don't have a tabernacle today like we used to. But I think today, the equivalent of that would definitely be the church. I mean, this is a place where you are around the people of God, a place where you can serve the Lord, where you can serve God's people. It's a place where the gospel is preached, where the Bible is taught, where we do things to try to train people in the Word of God, where we invite lost people, try to get them in here to, to hear the gospel. We go out from here to preach the gospel. And I'm telling you right now, I believe the church is one of the best places that you can be. It's one of the best things to be a part of. You know, there's some good organizations out there that do some good things, but I don't think anything compares. To what the church does, I mean, talk about something that makes an eternal difference in people's life. And there are there's people out there they figured it out. They have figured it out that man, this is the place to be, and they wanted to just do whatever they can. Maybe they don't have the ability to get up and sing a special. Maybe they're not a gifted speaker. They don't they don't feel like they could preach a service, a preach a sermon. But you know what, boy, they'll just do whatever they can. They'll scrub toilets. They'll mop floors. They'll serve food. They'll be a greeter. They'll be an usher. They'll just do whatever they can. Why? Because they want to serve the Lord. There's blessings that come with serving the Lord. And you know, some of the best Christians I've ever known and some of the most blessed people I've ever known, they've not been people that everyone knew. They weren't big names. They weren't the people that you saw up there talking and preaching messages. But they were people that were just behind the scenes servants in the church. And these people were blessed. These are some of the happiest people. And I believe Obed-Edom, he was like that. He wanted to do whatever he could. He found out, hey, there's a position for doorkeeper. We need a doorkeeper. He's like, I've got it. And he didn't just say, well, I'm doing my job. I'm a doorkeeper. No, hey, there, we got an opening for a musician. Can I do that too? Hey, I want to do that. And he excelled at it. He did the best he could. He's, you know, he's a porter. Or like a janitor, basically. He's a doorkeeper. Verse 24, And Shebaniah and Jehoshaphat and Nethaniel and Amesiah, Zechariah, Beniah, Eliezer, the priest, that blow the trumpets before the ark of God. And Obed-Edom and Jehiah were doorkeepers for what? For the ark. Okay, Think about it. He's a doorkeeper for the ark. What's he doing? He's trying to get as close to the ark as he can. He remembered what it was like having that thing in his house, and when it went, he went with it. He wanted to be as close to that ark as he possibly could. I mean, you really, and you really can't get much closer than being a doorkeeper. I mean, he obviously wasn't the high priest. He couldn't be the high priest. He couldn't be the one that went in and, you know, and sprinkled the blood over the mercy seat. He couldn't do that, but he's like, you know, I can do the next best thing. I'm going to, I'll be the doorkeeper. I can be the one that opens the door for the guy that goes in there. Whatever he could do, that was what he did. And we're going to see too that God continued to bless this man. And then we're going to get into kind of what i the main idea of this. But look at verse uh, chapter, or chapter 26. Chapter 26 and verse 1 of 1 Chronicles. Chapter 26 and verse 1. So he's figured it out. He's discover the secret to being blessed. It's obviously being close to that Ark of the Covenant. That symbolizes the presence of God. And in verse 1, it says, concerning the divisions of the porters of the Korahites was Mishelamiah, the son of Korah, of the sons of Asaph. Okay, so this is talking about the porters here. And then if you jump down to verse, and it starts naming off the people. And then in verse 4, moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom. Okay. So Obed-Edom, he's smart. And let me tell you something. You know, a good parent, if you have figured out something that works, if you've figured out something that's a blessing, if you've discovered the secrets that make the difference, I would think you'd want to pass those things on to your kids, wouldn't you? And Obed-Edom knows being close to that Ark of the Covenant, it means blessings. And so Obed-Edom, he doesn't just hog it all for himself. He gets his sons. Involved with this. And verse 4: the sons of Obed-Edom were Shemeiah the firstborn, Jehoshaphat the second, Joah the third, Sechar the fourth, Nethaniel the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Isaacar the seventh, Peluthai the eighth, for God blessed him. Notice Obed-Edom's blessings didn't stop after the Ark of the Covenant left his house. You know why the blessings didn't stop? Because he followed it, he went after it. He went where the presence of God was at, and he got his family involved. And he's like, I want my family in on this thing. And the Lord blessed him with eight sons. Eight sons. Now, I know that these days, if you're an American, it's a curse having eight kids. But let me tell you, in real life, in the Bible, it's a blessing having a lot of kids. And he had eight sons, and God God blessed him, and God continued to bless him. And then, look at verse 6. And also unto Shemaiah, this is one of Obed Edom's sons, were uh, son, uh, were born or were sons born that ruled throughout the house of their father, for they were mighty men of valor. The sons of Shemaiah: Othnai, Raphael, and Obed. We'll look at back to him in a minute. Elzebad, whose brethren were strong men, Elihu, and Shemaiah. Uh, all, the, all, all these are the sons of Obed-Edom. They and their sons and their brethren, able men for strength, for the service, were three score and two of Obed-Edom. So look at that. Three score and two. Sixty-two. Not sons, but sons and grandsons. I mean, God bless this family. Here you have Obed-Edom, the servant of Edom. Possibly, maybe he was a, I don't know if he was a slave of theirs of the Edomites, and that's how he got his name. That was how he started out. Maybe he was a Philistine, one that had been taken captive. Maybe this guy was a slave at one point in his life. But man, something came along in his life. He just happened to be in a place where Israel needed a place to keep the Ark of the Covenant. And it ended up in his house. And man he when that happened, he kind of won the lottery, I guess you could say. He God blessed his house and he didn't stop and say you know what? They took it. Bye bye, blessings. He followed it. He stayed with it. And even though he was a Philistine, God allowed him to serve there around the tabernacle, close to the Ark of the Covenant. And God just continued to bless this man, even though he's a Philistine. You don't see too many people in the Bible blessed in the manner that this guy was. I mean, you see guys like Job that God blessed with a lot of children. Guys like Jacob. I mean, this guy could be named with some great men in the Bible and not with just the numbers that were in his family. Strong sons. Mighty men of valor. This guy went from being a servant of Edom to being a powerful man. Who's going to mess with a guy that's got eight mighty sons and... uh, 8 minus 62. you know, 54 mighty grandsons you know, you want to mess with that guy you mess with him you're messing with 62 strong men i'm not messing with that guy okay i mean this guy is just blessed in a great way he brought his family to the ark he kept made sure he kept his family where there were blessings and i'm telling you it is a wise thing i believe for parents to keep their kids in church, keep their kids around the house of God, keep their kids around the things of God, get their kids involved in the work of the in the work of the Lord. Obed Edom, he did that. And God blessed him in a great way. And his family, they did. They followed in his footsteps. It wasn't just his sons, his grandsons, and you might have noticed, one of his grandson's names was Obed. Okay? Not Obed Edom, but he one of his grandson's name was Obed. Now I find that interesting because I personally think he's trying to name him after his dad. And he's not going to name him Obed-Edom because he's not a servant of Edom, but he was a servant. This family obviously learned that you know what? There is nothing wrong with being a servant. That there's great blessings with being a servant. You know what Jesus told His disciples? Obed-Edom's son figured this out before Jesus even said... Whosoever is chief among you, let him be your servant. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, this family figured it out. Being a servant of God was a huge thing. And he didn't call Mobit Edom because he wasn't a servant of Edom, but he didn't care that his son was a servant. This is a mighty family. I don't care if my son's a servant. You know we've got a lot of people today. They want to be mighty men. They want to be powerful men. They don't want to be servants though. They want to be leaders. You know we've got a lot of guys running for president right now. You know they want to be the big boss. You know they want to be the guy in charge. But they're not interested in being a servant. Y'all, can y'all picture Donald Trump washing someone's feet? No. But you know Jesus Christ did that kind of thing. Y'all picture Donald Trump being a doorkeeper? Oh, but Edom, he did things like that. And God blessed him in a great way. Too many people that are way too proud to do certain things. And God continued to bless his family. Verse 12 of chapter 26 Among these were the divisions of the porters, even among the chief men, having wars one against another to minister in the house of the Lord. And they cast lots, as well as the small as the great, according to the house of their fathers for every gate. They're casting lots to basically figure out what families are going to get what responsibilities. And the lot eastward fell to Shelemiah. Then for Zechariah, his son, a wise counselor, they cast lots. And his lot came out northward to Obed Edom, southward, and to his house, the, or, and to his sons, the house of Asuppam. And basically, what that was, that was the house of treasures. That's where they kept their treasures. That was their job. And you know, I don't know this for sure. But if they kept if they were the ones that were in charge of watching over the treasures, do you think maybe the Ark of the Covenant was concluded in that? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. And it just happened that the lots fell on Obed Edom's family, the one that watched over the Ark of the Covenant. Once again, you see him just being close to that. God blessed him. I and mean, once that guy got a taste of where the blessing of God was at, he just did not want to get away From that, he wanted to stay as close to it as he could. And you know the truth: if you want to be blessed, you need to be in the presence of God. You can find the presence of God in the house of God. And I believe for us, that's Liberty Baptist Church. I believe that's where God wants us. Listen, we're nothing special here. God's no respecter of persons. You know these blessings; they they can be ours. Okay, I mean, I can tell you story after story about blessings that I've received. Just you know my my whole life's pretty much been around the house of God. You know, growing up in a preacher's home, you know, there was a lot of blessings that came with that. You know why? Cuz we're around I was around the work of the Lord all the time. You know, being an assistant pastor for years, being a pastor, I mean, you're just you're right there where the blessings are at. It's this I mean, God blesses this type of thing. I mean, the gospel's going out here we're trying to make a difference in people's life. God's going to bless that, and it, it is it's wonderful when you're a pastor because I mean you are you're just that's where the blessings are, and I believe families they ought to do everything they can to keep their family, keep their kids where the blessings of God are at. Okay, now listen, you know, I'm all for getting your kids involved in sports. I love sports. I think that's great. I think kids need to be challenged and do athletic things. But let me tell you something. There's not a whole lot of blessings that come with that. You know, I'm all for my you know, my kids they take music lessons and they do recitals and things like that. I'm all for it. But you know what? They're not gonna get anything from those recitals. Now, one of the reasons I haven't taken music lessons is so they can use that talent in the house of God. I'm going to tell you right now, that was why we got the boys' trumpet lessons and trombone lessons. I want brass during church. I want to hear that kind of thing. And so it's not so they can go and have people clap for them at their recitals. It's so they can use that in the house of God. There's blessings with serving the Lord in those things. There's a lot of things that you can get involved in that really don't produce anything of eternal value. But the things of God, that is where the blessings are at. And I'm telling you, anybody who wants it, can have them and i believe as as families there's not a whole lot today in this world that families have that they can all work toward you know we talked about this morning having that common goal that common thing that we're all working for so most families today husbands and wives they're going their own separate ways they're doing their own separate things and as a result they're not very close having those common goals are what make you stronger and the same thing goes for families if you if the families are working towards the same thing if they're working towards the same goal that's going to make a stronger family that's going to build a stronger bond and unfortunately in many homes today so this is kind of we're kind of getting into the message now it was a long introduction but unfortunately today many people and their families they're, they're all strangers in each other's house aren't they they don't know each other. It's amazing how many families, you know, they, you know they have the same mom and dad, they have brothers and sisters, and they grow up, kids leave the house, and they don't want to have anything to do with each other anymore. They could care less about each other. They start hating each other. And I believe part of the problem, that family never really had a purpose in their life. They never had a common thing that they were working for. And families should be working together and and think about you know what what is there that the world has to offer that you as a family can work on together you know there really isn't a whole lot now there is, and but you need things okay it's good you know you there uh, even around the house okay you know my boy's bedroom that was something that we got to work on together you know th- that's good you know give your kids projects to do you know come up with some kind of goal something they could you can work towards in your house okay trying trying to build something where you live that's a good thing you know my boys they put some you know blood sweat and broken bones literally into uh that bedroom jason he well he had already kind of broke his wrist but we weren't real sure and if after that we were sure after he had his nasty fall we're holding up drywall and he stand on a bucket and just took a nasty wipe out. It's kind of funny, but uh, that was what ended up getting us to take him to the hospital. But you know, something got accomplished there. And once again, working together it brings a closeness. You know how many people are closer with coworkers than they are some of their own family because they work with that coworker all the time. You know, you need to have something that you can work on together as a family. I'm thankful for that time that, you know, back when I was doing the home preservation stuff and mowing up lawns, I had the boys working with me all the time on that. And it was a blessing. You know, a lot of good memories, things we talk about, a lot of bad memories too, you know, because it wasn't all good experiences there. We did some nasty jobs in some nasty houses. But you know what? We've got memories, we've got things that we can talk about. You know, we love to talk about the one house with the nasty meat. And the boys know exactly what I'm talking about, where we had to clean this freezer out. This massive freezer that was full of meat and this freezer had been off for months. And I'm telling you, you can't even imagine the smell that came from there. And we had to clean it out. And it was horrible. That was a horrible, horrible job. But you know what? We did it together. Went to to some nasty places, saw nasty things. But, you know, experiences together. yeah, you know, I remember. You know, this kind of blew my mind when I worked at when I got my job, my first job ever at McDonald's. I remember I was working there at McDonald's, and it was you know kind of culture shock for me growing up in a preacher's home. And I remember uh, one day it was the an afternoon, and me and Dad went golfing. And we uh, after we got done golfing, we went through drive through McDonald's. One of the guys I worked with saw me, and I went in to work that night. And he was still there, and he was just like, "Hey, I saw you with your dad." And I was like, "Yeah." Like he's like, "What were you guys doing?" I was like. We went golfing. He's like, "You do stuff with your dad." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he was totally shocked by that because you know, a lot of people they don't do anything with their parents. You know, you should work together. You, you ought to have hobbies together. You know, whether it be hunting, shooting, golfing. You know, sport. You know, whatever. Okay. You know, you all don't have to like the things that that I like, but doing those things together, having memories these make a huge difference. And if you can get them involved in things that are really important, like Obed-Edom did. That's what Obed-Edom did. Man. He got his family. He told his boys, guys, we've hit the jackpot. we found out where blessings are. We're nothing. We're Philistines. We are Philistines from Gath, but the Lord has allowed us to be servants near that Ark of the Covenant and I'm telling you boys, you want to be a part of this. You don't want to go live like the Philistines. Out in the world, You know the Philistines, they could do whatever they wanted. They didn't have to follow all those laws like the Jews did. And listen, not only did the Jews have a lot tougher laws than the Philistines did, but it was even harder for the Levites. The Levites had all kinds of extra rules that they had to follow. And Obed-Edom, I mean, they pretty much became Levites. I mean, they did the work of Levites. I mean, this is a, it's a wonderful picture of God's grace and His family all stayed in it because they learned of something of real value. They worked together in it. God blessed them in a great way. And families should work together. They should... Build together, work on something, accomplish something together. Like I said, this this church, this is not just you know, this is not just me. This is not just even me and my wife. It's me and my cho- my children too. And it goes even farther than that. It's not just my family. It's your families too. And as a result, you know, w- w- there's a closeness that comes with that. And it's just it's sad how many families have no closeness today at all. And it's because they've never accomplished anything together. There is nothing that they can look at that they have done together and enjoy. There's something about when you do work and you accomplish something and you can sit back and look at it and enjoy it. It's a wonderful blessing, isn't it? God did that, didn't He? After six days of creating this universe, on that seventh day, He rested. I think part of why He rested, He wanted to just sit back and enjoy what He had accomplished. I've probably told some of you all this before. I've had the great idea that we haven't done it yet, but I, I want to do it one of these days. In our front yard, I fully intend one of these days to plant eight trees. Eight trees representing a member of each, each one of them in our family. And we're going to have eight of them there. And then that way someday if we move away, we'll always be able to kind of drive by and look at those eight trees that we plant planted. Each one will represent an individual in our family. Each one of the kids will be able to say, that was my tree, and that one's my tree. And you know what we're going to call those trees? The McMurr trees. Pretty clever, huh? I came up with that all by myself. And I fully intend to do that one of these days. Something we can look at and accomplish and say, hey, we did that. That's something. That's something that we did. Family should build together. Family should serve together. You know, I thank God that you know I grew up in a preacher's home. That I got. That I you know I was able to serve with my family. I can remember when we started the church at Lighthouse. I mean, it seemed like every day. I remember those first years. You know, I know at least every Saturday. I mean, we spent pretty much the whole Saturday. Just gutting that church and cleaning it. When they bought, we bought the church, it was an old, nasty Western nightclub. I mean, the place was a dunk. And we just, week by week, little by little, we started, we're tearing that place apart, fixing it up. One of my favorite things to do there, we always had a burn pile out in the backyard and was burning stuff that we tore out. And I always made sure that fire kept going the whole day. I was always finding something I could throw on that fire to keep it going all the time, and just you know a lot of good memories with that. And I remember you know just recently they had a, we were actually over there when it happened, but there was a pipe that broke, uh, It got frozen and it got water all over the place in the old building. And the old original building, it's getting pretty old. Uh, it's kind of deteriorating a little bit. and you know and there's been suggestions before you know we ought to just tear that whole part out. You know, just tear that whole part down. It's part of me is like, man, I hope they never tear that part down. You know, put too much work into that place. You know, and there was a lot of work. But you know, I thank God for it. I thank God for the time I was able to serve there with my family. I'm I'm thankful for the time our families had here to serve. I mean, this kind of stuff it doesn't go away. It's something that lasts, something that makes a difference. And families they need to make good memories together. Okay, y'all should. You know, do what you have to to go on vacation together. Take a vacation somewhere. Go on a camping trip. You know, there are cheap vacations that you can take. You know, we've taken we've had the privilege of taking some pretty nice vacations, but uh, we've we've taken some pretty cheap ones too, and have had a lot of fun. There's stuff not far from here that you can do that wouldn't cost you a lot of money. If you go get you a tent and just go camping somewhere for a few days, I'm telling you right now. You know, do that. I mean take it, if you took your family to a campground and you lived in a tent for a week, I can promise you there's going to be some nightmares, but you know what? Those nightmares eventually will turn into good memories that you all will talk about and laugh about. And you'll have something that you can remember. Some families these today they have nothing to talk about. They've never done anything together. I mean, how many conversations can you have about the T V shows that you watched and the video games you played? Oh, can you remember that day when I just beat the fire out of Bowser with Mar- on Mario? Nobody cares. All right. <laughs> nobody cares about that. Not a big deal. You know, ha- make those memories together. You know, do what you have to. Do. You know, plan on it. Save up for it. Make these things a priority in your life as a family. There's got to be something to accomplish. And you know, you know, talk to kids. Hey, what is something that you would like to do? You know, where is a place that you would like to go and they're gonna pick someplace expensive, you know, they're gonna say Disney World or something like that. And you know and you know what? Say so, right, let's see what we can make happen. Hey, maybe you know what y'all can do? Y'all can start saving some electricity around the house and that'll help us save up some money you know we were talking about electric bills before you know start turning your lights off and hey if we can save this much in our bill we'll put that in the vacation fund hey if you kids wouldn't eat so much all right you know we get cheaper food you know we can save money even a little faster make make them take part in it you know make them uh, you know have uh, you know contribute to it you know why a lot of kids don't appreciate anything it's because they didn't do anything for it and you know, kids, they will spend your money so fast, won't they? But when it's money that they earned, they're usually a little more frugal, aren't they? They're usually a little more careful because they they made an effort. And too many families, they just try to give their kids everything. Well, I want to give my kid a good time, and you know, they'll send them all over to these places, just uh, you know, so they can think their kids having fun. But you need to do something with them. You need to be there. For the good memories, you need to have a part in it. You've got And you've got to have goals. Have a purpose. You know, the title of my message is a family with a purpose. What are you working for? What are you accomplishing? Obed-Edom, it's, it's so neat when you look at that man's life, every time you see his name mentioned, he is close to the Ark of the Covenant. The blessings did not go away when the Ark of the Covenant was taken from his house. He went along with it. He kept his family with it. His sons were a part of it. And even his grandchildren were a part of it. His kids were so, you know, they loved it so much. I mean, the one son named his son after his dad. Because you know what? My dad, he's the one that figured this thing out. He's the one that learned where real blessings come from. We were Philistines. What do we see Israel doing all the time with Philistines? They were fighting the Philistines, weren't they? They were destroying the Philistines. Had Obed-Edom not stayed with the Levites, worked with the Ark of the Covenant, chances are they'd have been hanging around the Philistines. And in one of the battles later on, guess what? Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom's sons probably would have been defeated in some of those battles. Probably would have died at the hands of Israel. And But they weren't. They got to be a part of them. And I never even I never even really noticed that. Obed-Edom the Gittite. I looked that up and saw that's the same thing Goliath was referred to. He was a Philistine from Gath, and look at what God did, did in his life. And this is proof right here that when it comes to family, a lot of times you, it's like people think you just have to hit the, what do they call it, like the, uh, is it the genetic jackpot or genetic, win the genetic lottery or whatever? You know, it depends. You have to be born into the right family. You know, it all depends on where you were born. No, Philistines. Philistines ended up getting the job of Levites and were greatly blessed as a result of it. Why? Because this guy figured out in the presence of God. There's blessings. And basically just said, whatever I can do, I'll be a servant. I'll be a janitor. I'll be a doorkeeper. I'll be a musician. Just let me be as close as I can to that Ark of the Covenant. And his entire family was blessed. Changed generations. This guy had a purpose. He had a goal. Get me as close to that as I can. Families, we need that. we need to have You need to have a goal for your family. And one of those goals ought to be, you know, I want to be as close to God as I possibly can. We want to serve God the best we can. And one of the best places where you can serve God is in the house of God. Give your family that purpose and you will... Make a difference. Maybe they won't go running from your presence. They're, they will have good memories. Maybe, you know, maybe they won't be so anxious to leave as soon as they turn 18. Maybe they'll want to hang around a little longer and actually get to mature. Before, they'll mature before they go out and leave you. It could make all the difference of the world, but you've got to have a purpose. And everyone living their own lives doing their own thing, it's, it's not going to do it. You need that common goal. And so with that, let's all go ahead and stand tonight.